You're listening to the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Randy Volander with the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. Hope that you're on your third cup at least. Fourth, fifth, whatever it takes, everything's better after the third cup of coffee. And that's what we're hoping for with this podcast. Super excited because I have a great guest today. I don't do a lot of interviews when I do. I really like to find people I find super interesting. And I think I hit it out of the park today with my good friend, Dwayne Roberts. I met Dwayne back in uh, 2003 when we moved to Kansas City. Now, I knew of him before this, though, because he was a leader in the International House of Prayer. And Kelsey and I were leaving staff roles at the vineyard in Cincinnati to become missionaries in the prayer movement. And the world was really divided at this point into people who understood what we were doing and others who thought we were nuts. And the nuts camp was was significant. In fact, it was most people because they just didn't understand what we were going to do. IHOP, of course, is well-known now for melding worship and prayer, but back then, their footprint was smaller and fewer people even knew what they were up to. Now, in the probably months before this, Dwayne had assembled some musicians, and he had recorded some of the prayers that they would pray at IHOP, and he was marketing these CDs to support his own missions endeavor, so I did what I had to do. Dwayne, I confess to you, I bootlegged about 20 copies of those CDs, and I would meet with mission supporters, and I would tell them we were going to be a part of the prayer movement. And they, could, they would always smile, and they had no clue what we were talking about. But then I would give them one of the CDs, and I would watch, and they would leave, and they would go sit in their car, they'd put the CD in, and they'd drive away. As they drove away, the music would start and they would listen to Dwayne pray the apostolic prayers and listen to some of the musicians play and some of the singers sing, and they would suddenly get it. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, they give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe father of glory it is for this reason that i bring your church before you i'm asking that you would give to her the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of the man Christ Jesus. I'm asking for revelation and awakening to come to your bride, that she would grow in her knowledge of your son. So would you reveal the Lord Jesus to your church? Would you reveal him in all his splendor, in all his glory? Make known the Son of Man to the bride today. Come, Lord Jesus, visit us. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, Wisdom, revelation. Unveil his beauty to the bride. Unveil his beauty 
So we would give people this CD and they would leave listening to it. Now, Dwayne had assembled the A-list from IHOP. Uh, Todd Ganofsky, you probably heard Misty Edwards in there. Uh, Dana Russell, who is Corey Russell's wife. Luke and Marcus Hendrickson, better known as John Hendrickson's brothers, is how John would explain it. And the music was good. And on top of that, the prayers were out of the Bible. People would listen to this, and when they were done, they got it. They understood why we were moving to IHOP KC. Now, we did this for about 30 days. Honestly, Dwayne, I think I bootlegged about 20 copies. And when it was done, I remember waking up at the end of 30 days uh, that first morning, and I looked at Kelsey and I said, we've raised $30,000 in 30 days. That's how the Lord allowed us to move to IHOP because we had no salary when we got here. So if uh, that meant anything to you, let me encourage you, go buy that CD. Buy a lot of them because I owe Dwayne big time. We would never be here if it weren't for that CD. Sorry about that. Uh, I like a good adventure, and Kelsey and I have had a few. Uh, We've made moves that seemed risky, and even though a few of them worked out better than planned, uh, we don't regret any of them. It's the nature of an adventure to turn out differently than it's expected, mostly better. And in the course of 30 years in ministry, we have met a few, and I mean a very few, who I felt had our level of adventure capacity or risk capacity. And the one couple that stands out among that crowd would have to be Dwayne and his wife, Jennifer. They spent 10 years in Amsterdam with Youth with a Mission, then helped pioneer IHOP KC, then moved to Brazil to pioneer a house of prayer and a church and a Bible school in a nation where they did not speak the language before they returned to the U.S. and became campus pastors at the Upper Room in Denver. He and Jen have two daughters and a son, Sydney, Chloe, and Elijah, and we love them a ton. Here is part of a conversation that Dwayne and I had earlier today. So, Dwayne, welcome to the podcast. We are glad to have you with us. Thank you. Uh, we have we have more in common than just our rugged good looks. Uh, we are often we're mistaken for one another periodically. I don't know how where people get that. Uh, we we both married above our species. Um, we uh, both have kids that are kind of intertwined age wise. I think. I think. It goes my Jackson, your Sydney, my Grayson, your Chloe, my Zion, your Elijah. I'm pretty sure about that. No, you're, you're and correct. we both served a lot of the same. Am I right on that? We both served a lot of the same ministries uh, and both recently got puppies. What were we thinking? What brought that on? Old age. I think so. I think so. I, we've not had a dog in like 30 years, 30, no, 28 years. It was actually in my home. It was driven by my 20-year-old. But uh, no, it's insane. Uh, we're it, rejoicing. Potty training's over. It's a new day. It is like having another child, but they will not contribute to your retirement. That's like the, <laughs> it's like, so it's like the worst of all worlds, I think. Well, uh, going into this, I talked a little bit about the fact that you and uh, Jen have a real capacity for adventure. I, I think, you know, of, uh, Kelsey and I have a tendency to bite off things bigger than we can chew just to see what might happen, you know, and you guys are wired a little bit like that. Go back with me to the YWAM days. How long were you in YWAM when you were in Europe? Man. uh, Yeah, we, I loved my time with YWAM. So we were like nine and a half years, just short of 10 years. We were based in Amsterdam, then jumped over and spent four years pioneering a base in Budapest, Hungary. And what was your work like there? 
Oh, it was, is insane. Actually, when I think back on it, um, we were involved in, a, in the, in the training wing for several years and then in pioneering in Budapest, it was just shortly after the communist had the wall using that phrase had come down. And so um, just, it was the wild west in many ways. And so that's when we helped pioneer. He did a lot of evangelism, Romania, and then just after the war in Yugoslavia, that season as well. And so, uh, you know, it was crazy. And so we did a lot of evangelism ministry down from Yugoslavia, went to Sarajevo, not too, I mean, just literally after things had ended. So it was a very um, unique yet also just worldview forming season in our lives. How old were you when you started over there? Uh, gosh, I, I mean, when I went, uh, first time I was 19 and then uh, returned shortly after. And uh, just, I mean, it was amazing living in Amsterdam, Holland. You know, it's a crazy city, lots of sin, but also just unbelievable architecture, culture. So it was a lot of fun, enjoyable time in my season. But also, I would just say, you know, I love YWAM because you they just believe in young people. And so yeah. you put in situations that probably other play, other ministries wouldn't put you in. And I loved it. It was amazing. You know, uh, I think most of us in our 20s thought we were out tearing the world apart. And you look back and what was really happening was God was just doing stuff in us yes. so that we didn't kill somebody in our 30s or 40s. Absolutely. What was God doing in you guys when you were in those 10 years in, in uh, YWAM that prepared you down the road? What, what did well, you know coming out of that that you wouldn't have known? Yeah, I had, I had unique situations. What's unique about YWAM is it's short periods. So you do a three-month period, then you come back home, and then you get to try with another group of people, and you go on another, another aspect of leadership. And so it was an incredible training ground, specifically in how to lead people. Um, and YWAM puts you in unique circumstances that can be trying. So you've got a pastor and lead with vision in the midst of, you know, horrible living conditions or challenging living conditions or whatever. And so I had many little, little training seasons. And then I would next season, okay, I got, I can't do that, but I got to try something new. And it was phenomenal. I mean, I led a team into Liberia, West Africa, and like a week after they got their civil war broke out. And so just how to pastor that in the midst of, I had a veteran missionary on my team and then I've got 19 year olds on my team and the veteran missionary is going, this yeah. is nothing. We're staying and helping the people. And the mom's wow. calling the 19 year old. No, you're leaving the country now. <laughs> it just even. Just and you kind of think she might be right. <laughs> Without a doubt, you know, it just, uh, so I'm super grateful for my season in that. And then, I just think the Lord has had us on a unique thing, just us understanding the globe, the nations in a small degree. And so that was also, I think, part of the Lord's plan for Jennifer individually is really understanding the four corners of the earth. Yeah. And, you know, and so, you know, I, I, so I don't think of myself typically as American, probably as others do. Um, although I'm not originally American, but that's my, but it, that was also just understanding the Lord's heart for the nations. Yeah. I look back at uh, some previous seasons in our life and you totally see it as a prep for where you're at. Um, Even in the, in the chaotic season that we're in now, as as we're recording, you know, three weeks into the COVID-19 real crisis here. um, Somebody asked me a few weeks ago, you know, how are you guys doing having been in a crisis, you know, looking for the next of of ministry for us. uh, And now all this happens 
And I, I, I realized I, I kind of laughed because I said, well, three weeks ago we were in a crisis. Now the whole world's in a crisis. And if all things being equal, I kind of bet on us. I, I feel better in knowing that everybody else is in chaos. I actually kind of win that deck, I think. And, and that comes from, you know, 30 years of going, yeah, what could happen? Let's try it. And I love that YWAM pulls that out of people. Yes, absolutely. That, you know, I, I really believe that it actually strength, i.e. strength in the Lord, that ability to stand in the midst of a storm. If you've gone through seasons, a, 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 you know, then the crisis that is impacting people that have never been tested really does not rattle you to the depths that others are being rattled to. Yeah. And, and, I, and, you know, and that's just come from going through a couple storms and the knowledge of God being formed in your heart and your mind. And so I agree 100% with so you. So what, what brought you back to the States then for the first time after that? That was, that was an adjustment. You know, um, we, we moved back. It's, you know, it's, this, it's a little bit of a, a divine story how the Lord led us. And we end up in Kansas City. Um, and I had never lived in the States long term. I was, you know, originally Canadian, then Jennifer and I, um, we got married and lived in Europe for 10 years of our marriage or eight years of our marriage. And so that, that, um, it was just unique moving back to the States, but we were coming back for a year and that was it. We were going to go back to the mission field. And how Um, did you land in Kansas city knowing you had a year? You just like um, go to the middle of the continent and stay or what? Well, it was a strange story. We were um, supposed to be going back to Atlanta, Georgia. We were going to move to Atlanta, Georgia, or just north of Atlanta. Um, and, uh, and we had one last music festival to do in Europe, and then we were going to move back. And right before the festival, the pastor that we were going to go work with emails us and says, um, I'm moving, like, overnight says I'm moving and all of a sudden our life we have no place to go we sold everything we own we got rid of our apartment sold our car and literally we don't know what we're going to do and you're not from a ministry family so it's not like you can go back to dad's church and go back on staff no 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 literally we don't we actually left the music festival and moved into a, a nasty hotel with working men like road construction men in Hungary. It was because we, and we had Sydney at the time. She was a year and a half. We had no place to go. And uh, I meet this prophetic gentleman from Kansas city. Um, and, uh, and uh, he, I, I shake his hand. I say, Hey, my name's Dwayne. And he was speaking at the festival and he says to us, Oh, you're Dwayne. The Lord woke me up two weeks ago in the middle of the night and told me I was going to meet you. And that right there quieted the storm. Mm. God knows my name. That just washed over me. And so we continued a relationship. And so it was through that relationship that we decided to go. Mike Bickle at the time was the pastor of the church and he had a, a training center. And so we went there for a year just to go get some biblical, more biblical foundation and then go back. Our goal was to go back to missions. And this would have been when? This was 98. 98. Okay. Yeah. And so we moved to Kansas City, August of 98. And then when he launched the House of Prayer, you guys stepped into that. Yeah. Um, He starts preaching on prayer, day and night prayer, revival. and that in January. And then, so we were tracking along with this idea to house of prayer. Didn't really understand a prophetic word about day and night prayer at the time. It didn't, I didn't, it wasn't part of my history. I didn't quite dial into what 
what really the Lord was doing, but it resonated with us. And so we had financial partners because of our YWAM years and majority of them said, no, we'll stick with you for this year. And uh, not all of them, but, and then the Lord did a unique miracle in that season that allowed us to, to, to be there. And in that, um, when the house of prayer opened, we jumped in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Kelsey and I moved here, I want to say Oh three fall of Oh three. Uh, we met in, at, uh, Aaron Walsh's house. We had a, he had a cookout for us to try and introduce us to a few folks. You and Jen were there. Hoods were there. Um, and we connected pretty quick. Uh, were you a prayer guy before you got here? Or was that something that, that fostered in you while you were here? No, I, to be honest with you, I was not a, a guy, a leader, a missionary that had a, a life of prayer. My, one of the things that helped me probably was my dad would do Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. prayer meetings for years. And he would drag me to them. And often it would be, I don't want to go. I'd sit there with my arms crossed. And then other times I would feel a grace to pray. And so I just look back with gratitude to my father dragging me to those meetings at 6 a.m. as a high school student um, because it did deposit a couple of seeds. So when I got to the IHOP, I had a a reference point. My Mm -hmm. dad was a guy who wanted to pray for revival, signs and wonders. And so I was so grateful, but that, that got me going at IHOP, if I could say that. I remember being drawn to it. And uh, a little embarrassed that I wasn't good at it or I couldn't do it. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, like I wanted, you know, who does not want to be a person to prayer? And then Mike would say, let's sit in this room and pray for a couple hours. And you know, at the 20 minute mark, you've prayed for everything you could possibly think of. And some things twice. And you're looking at him going, how do you do this? But he really taught a lot of us how to do that in a, in a way that um, was doable. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like, But to be honest, I was exactly the same boat, like had no idea how to pray, what it meant to, I mean, longer than 21 minutes, I'm the same way. And it massively shifted my whole understanding experience, yay, paradigm on prayer took place in those early days without a doubt. Transformative. For us, the funny part was I was already using some of the language um, that I really felt like I was hearing from the Lord, but I, I didn't have my head around even what we were saying. We were church planting and I was preaching John the Baptist, um, you know, forerunner type stuff, but didn't have a real good grid for it. And I came out to a conference and I remember leaving the first session when it was done, going to the back to the hotel room and calling Kelsey and saying, he's using our language, but he knows what he's talking about. Like he was 20 years ahead of us just kind of, we're just learning it on Thursday and talking about it on Sunday morning. And he had decades in it. And it was so helpful to have him have kind of blazed the trail in where my heart was pointed, but I, I couldn't have found it. I always say, Mike taught me how to pray. Uh, Lou Engel taught me that it mattered. You know, as we, we prayed with him with, with the, the call events, it just brought it all to life to us in a whole different way. So while you're at IHOP, you do everything twice, kind of, which was the nature of being on, on leadership staff back then. What, were, what are some of the things you ran while you're at IHOP? Well, I was just so grateful, I think, um, that Mike brought us in uh, in those early days, you know. And so I think I didn't know it at the time. I, I have more clarity now, but I love to pioneer. And today, um, I have more clarity on that. So we were just beginning a new ministry, really, 
And so there was tons of opportunity to, for lack of a better term, take ground, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I loved just helping with, you know, everything. And so there was a real camaraderie back then. There wasn't really even departments. So in those early days, and then as we got things going, one of the things that I'm so grateful for is Mike invited me in to help grow and develop what was uh, the one thing conference. And that, that became a pretty large part of my focus. Um, and then I also was involved in a lot of our internships. I never led one, but I kind of oversaw them. And that was an awesome experience. I was involved in our publishing, our books, um, the music side of things. I was involved in that for several years. And, and so I just, I love those seasons of just learning and growing in my leadership, marketing, everything, all of those. I loved it. It's funny to hear you say that you didn't realize that early on, because of course, I've only known you like that. I think of you totally as an entrepreneur, a builder, kingdom guy, you know, we would call it in the church world apostolic, really, in how you think about things. So it didn't totally surprise us about eight, seven, eight years ago when you and Jen sat Kelsey and I down and said, hey, we're moving to Brazil. <laughs> um, like that didn't really shock us. It, we, we were sad yeah. to see our friends go, but I thought, you know, if anybody else is going to go someplace where they don't speak the language and try and build something, who else would do this? Um, what drew you to the people of Brazil? It's such a, you know, we'd been in Kansas city for, I think at that time, 15 years. And we had no, I had no desire to be honest with you, to leave. Um, like there was no natural, like I'm tired of this place or I don't like Kansas city. And so, but but we felt a true unrest. And so it's a long story, actually, how the Lord began to talk, but he began to clearly speak transition. And, and so to be honest with you, we had the globe in front of us going, okay, wonder if we're going back to the nations. And so I'd made uh, a couple of trips down there alone. And then my family had made a trip down there um, for a month in touring. And so it wasn't really on our radar. And then the second year after the, the year following, we did it again. And that's when the Lord really began to speak to us about Brazil and, and the nation and what God had put in our hearts and as a family. And so I just, you know, I give Jennifer so much uh, applause in this area. She sat the family down. And uh, came back to the States. Um, when did you guys move to Denver? Yeah, we moved here August uh, 12th of 2019. So you land in Denver to be campus pastor there at the upper room and uh, just starting to, I mean, you know, between August and the first of the year, you're just kind of finding your feet and everything. And now all of a sudden we are thrown into the crisis that we're thrown in as a nation. Um, kind of as a builder, your first question is kind of about, you know, what is God doing in this? In this season that we find ourselves, how are you addressing that at the upper room? How are you talking about that? No, that's a, it's a, I mean, I think it's in some ways the million dollar question. Um, all of those answers are, I mean, I think all of us are posturing ourselves in a, in a way of what God, what are you talking to the nation? What are you talking to the earth? What are you talking to the nations? And then personally as a believer and, and the, it's leading it. And um, I've, I've got several verses that I've been drawn to, but I, what really comes to mind right now and is just touching me is Hebrews 12. And mm -hmm. in Hebrews 12, you have that, the Lord loves you, so he's going to discipline you. And then it's, uh, you know, the writer of Hebrews, he quotes, I think, Haggai too, and makes reference to Mount Sinai, this, this idea that when God speaks, um, it is smart to listen. 
And then the thing that's been, been just touching me is, is I promise to bring you shaking. And I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken so that which is eternal will remain. And, uh, and so never before, you know, I had an amazing conversation with an older gentleman the other day, and he's 72, something like that. And he said, I've never, ever, ever seen anything like what's happening in America today, where we have absolutely everything that people find strength, entertainment in shut down. Mm. And I think God is, is, is talking to America. He's talking to our cities. He's talking to Kansas City and Denver. And I think that disruption is coming so that the nation would by chance lift their eyes. And so those, that's one of the themes that I've been talking to our church about in this season. You know, I, I, was, uh, I taught via Zoom to a group yesterday, and I actually used those same two passages and uh, we talked a little bit about the fact that, uh, well, probably when you were here, maybe you were gone by then, there was a tornado in Joplin. Were you guys still here? We're, uh, no. Uh, no. Yes, yeah, so I was here. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I was, right? in, I was in state still. Okay. But in 19-minute warning, uh, and I think 158 people died uh, with a 19-minute warning. But I, you don't know how many were saved with that warning. Had the warning come the day before, which of course that's not how it happens with tornadoes, but had you gotten a warning the day before, literally every life could have been saved. And uh, the idea that warnings like this um, are actually a kindness from God. They're, they're, they're not a punishment, even if the Lord is behind them. It's a kindness to respond to the warning while there's still time. And so we're kind of just pressing people into that idea of what, what is the Lord saying to us right now? What are the adjustments we can can make when our real um, our hardship right now, quite honestly, is we're, we have to stay on the couch and we're watching Netflix. Like that's the the extent of our our trial right now. But what we do is harder than that, and it's being a blessing for them. So, are you guys you're doing services online, or how is that working? Yeah, we're typically streaming. Um, but at, last night, I wanted to do a little bit more of a panel. We do our services at five on Sundays p.m. and mm-hmm. so. Uh, we did a we did a Zoom actually, and I brought in a couple of our leaders, and we did more of a discussion actually around that chapter, First Corinthians five, and then uh, and then Second Chronicles seven. You know that we and it was amazing, actually phenomenal. God visited man in a powerful way last night. It's funny when we uh, throw the actual plan that we had out the window and come up with what what not not that he wasn't behind the original plan but sometimes in our our times of of struggle what comes out of that is is better than what we had had we had more time um i I know i've talked to a lot of people saying that their their online experience right now uh the lord is visiting them in a rich way and it's um it's good it's good so you guys historically there have done multiple prayer meetings a week what does that look like on a normal week when we're not all locked in our home yeah we right now we're a smaller community so we're around you know 200 people. Um, and so we, you know, the number is somewhere around there. So we do a Monday to uh, Thursday, Monday to Wednesday, typically morning, noon, and night prayer meeting, a two hour slot um, on a, a, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday slots. And uh, it's a unique rhythm that I really enjoy about the upper room culture. Um, it's very sustainable, very doable. And yet, Yet it's also um, really allows for the body 
to be a part, not just kind of the spiritual elite, if you will, not, and I don't mean, I don't mean yeah. that in a disrespectful way, but um, it's really that church buying into the prayer, the corporate prayer to move forward, God's purposes in our city and our church. So I love it. I am super bummed that Zoom garbled the latter part of our conversation, and so we will have to save that for another time. Definitely want to have Dwayne back, hopefully with Jen. That would be a lot of fun. I hope you have a great day. Hope life is treating you well. I know that God is good. Be blessed. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father of glory.